0: Let me pray as we get into, uh, into this. Lord, thank you for your presence in our lives, and the, Lord, the, just the joy of seeing the little ones dedicated, and the life, and Lord, the worship, and just being here, we just invite you to speak to our hearts now as we hear your word. Lord, I, I just pray for any of us who might feel hindered in our walk with you or with others if there's something in our life that's difficult or holding us in a place of whatever. Just, just... Uh, frustration whatever it might be that lord you'd bring your healing power your truth to set us free today we give you all the glory in jesus name amen and amen well as i mentioned i'm going to be wrapping up this series and i wanted to send a, a special thank you to dan and darren for their messages uh, they have shared v- just powerful messages and it's all been about things that hinder us dan started off with secu- insecurities Darren talked about fear, and then last week uh, uh, Dan spoke on vulnerability and how difficult sometimes it is for us to be open and vulnerable. And it was just powerful. So thank you guys for that. And I, I learned so much, and I hope you are too. Um, but as I was thinking about this, you know, there are a lot of things that can hinder us. I mean, I I, uh, I made a list of a few of them here. That and there's there's a lot more, but I I, I Think that some of these might ring true for you, or, or maybe not, but just let me know what you think. Things like this. Um, doubt has been one in my life, doubting what God has said, or even when somebody says something to me to encourage me, I can doubt it, You know, that's a, that can be a hindrance. Um, unbelief, lack of thankfulness in my life, and I'm gonna be sharing things that I, I'm, I'm not just trying to say this is you, it's just what I've struggled with that have hindered my walk. And, and then give some hope about that, um, because I lack of thankfulness, just for a second. Man, I believe thankfulness is one of those things that can really open up praise to God when we just thank Him. It says in Scripture, "Be thankful in all things." And that's hard. But I promise you, and maybe you've experienced this, when we thank Him, it opens up something in our hearts to just thank you, Lord. You're king, you're the Lord, and it just changes us. It changes the atmosphere around us. But I've failed at that many times, and it's been a hindrance. Lack of praise. How about this one? Comparing myself to other people. That's hindered me. Um, it's taken me many years. I'm 30 years old now. Um, and uh, I'm actually 53, but I'm around the age of 40. It took me to about the age of 40, 42 to... To have a breakthrough of just simply stop comparing myself to other people. God made me unique. He made you unique. There is no one like you in the universe. No one has the gifts you have. No one has the the talents you have. No one has the the, the anointing that God's given you. It's so unique. But why do we compare ourselves? You know? It's so funny. Or, Or even in the realm of I want a bigger house. And I'm, oh, I got a small house. So I must be poor. And this is a bigger house. He's rich. All that stuff... Hinders me. Here's a good definition, though, I think, of, of, uh, of hindrance. And uh, just, this was one that I found I thought was good. Something, a thing that provides resistance, delay, or obstruction to something or someone. The state of being interfered with, held back, or slowed down. And I think that's appropriate. Something that's slowing us down. Something that's hindering your your walk. And it could be a lot of things. And maybe as I'm talking, you're thinking of some things. Um, Here are some other things that have hindered me. And this is getting a little more into my personal life, and it might be something that relates to you. How about this one? Legalism. Someone that tries to put the law on you and turn the freedom of the gospel into work. And if you don't do this, then that's not good. And if you don't do this, you better do it this way. See, that's, that's legalism. And, and I will submit this. If you read in scripture's, Scripture, you'll see Jesus had the hardest time and, arg- and was so frustrated with the legalists. <laughs> he, he got right up in their faces. He loved them. But, man, legalism is bondage, and uh, that held me back many times. Uh, lack of grace. Someone's not giving me a lot of grace and something, that's held me back. Um, how about this one? Performing for acceptance. If I do this, then maybe this will, I'll be more accepted. That's held me back. Um, false doctrine. Uh, some of you may have suffered under the hand of false doctrine. And do you know what I mean by that? Something that isn't biblical and they teach it as if it is. And man, that... Can really mess, mess us up, and that's hindered, hindered me. And I would, I'll talk a little bit more about that later. A little article that Amy, my wife Amy, referred me to in psychology today, they have three here that are the top ones that they've found are the greatest hindrances in relationships. So we're talking about hindrances in our relationships with God, with others. First one communication. That's a hindrance, because a lot of times we don't, not only do we not know how to do it, very well, we're not doing it enough, and, and it gets confused, and uh, there's no understanding in the communication. And I would say in my experience with counseling, that is the top one for me. Communication, which is the lifeblood of a relationship, and then learning how to resolve any of the differences in a good way. They call it conflict resolution, but I've been thinking more about that. I'm, I'm starting to change that and say it should be conflict transformation conflict transformation because if we can resolve conflict because, man, you're going to have differences in your marriages and what you're doing. Each of you should be able to come out of that transformed because the conflict resolution, in my mind, it ends up putting it in terms of someone's going to win and someone's See, that's not what we're talking about. It's it's transformation. So, And then the uh, the second one in psychology today, childhood wounds, trauma. This is a, bi- a big one. And, uh, there have been some things that have been done, I know to, to many of you in your childhood, whatever it might be, that even today might be hindering your walk with, with, with the Lord. And I wanna encourage you that He is here to heal and set free any of the lies you may have believed, any of the things that people have put on you, he wants to take them off if we allow him. It's our free will. The third one is giving up. Top three psychology today Hindrances in relationships. Giving up on the relationship instead of working through it. And that's been a big one for me. Yeah, just quitting before I even start. Why? Or if I get into a situation where I'm just frustrated, it's easier, isn't it, to just walk away instead of humbling ourselves and working it out. Just give up on it, and it will come back and nip you in the bud. So let me ask you a question. What are some of the things, based on what not just what I just said, maybe it's similar, or maybe there's others that have hindered you in your walk with God maybe or with relationships. Anybody want to speak to that? There's some hands here. Childhood tra- trauma. Childhood trauma, yeah. Hindrance, that's powerful. Uh, definitely like uh, selfishness sometimes. Yeah, that's good. Being selfish not wanting to humble ourselves, it's, it's powerful. I'd say like another person, like if there's, or like a leader, somebody in like a pastoral like position, mm-hmm. if something like kind of goes wrong there, like it causes a lot of doubt and yeah, stuff like that. That's really good. And I'm going to speak about that a little later in terms of uh, the, the whole idea of being corrected in a wrong way. So we'll get, that's a good one, Nathaniel. Anybody else? have a thought on there? Yes. Trying to take things on myself. Yeah. Man, that's powerful. That's so true. God wants us to trust him, give him the burden. That's really good. Anybody else? Any other thoughts? Lack of sense of humor. My wife just (laughs) yelled that one out. (laughs) My problem is I try to do stupid stuff all the time and it creates uh, weird stuff. Yes, sir. I just wanted to piggyback off that last one, and it's pride, right? Pride Mm. for me, especially. Pride, yes. Oh, man. Yes. Uh, I think um, the expectations of others. Oh, man. So true. So powerful. Or thoughtlessness, not thinking of others, but thinking of yourself. Hmm. Yeah, good. The fear of failure. Fear of failure. That's a huge one. Amy had brought that one up to me this week as I was thinking about this message. Failing, fear of it. Yes. The opposite of pride? Like feeling like you don't know enough? (laughs) And you know what I would submit? I'll get into this a little later. That's a really good one. They can actually be the same thing. And I'll share that from my life because I I was messed up in my thinking. Yes. Yes. I would say unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Wow, powerful. Hindrance. These are all things that God wants to set us free and show us. Yes. Want to piggyback off yours, our own expectations. Our own expectations. Sometimes we can put things on ourselves that we think we have to be doing for God or whatever, and he's just wanting to spend time with us, love us. Anybody else? Yeah. Man, there's a lot of good ones today. <laughs> uh, lack of empathy for yourself and shame. Mm. Wow. So good. Thank you. That's powerful. Mm. Anybody else? One more. Tyrone? Confusion. Tyrone says confusion. What do you mean? You're confused as to which direction, to believe. Confused about where to go, who to believe, what to do. Good. That's really good. Anybody else? One last one. Okay, Rachel, you have one? Oh, I thought you were raising your hand, my sweet little daughter, Rachel up here um, well here 's my conclusion. my conclusion again i this is my th- belief you don 't have to b- agree, but I believe there are good hindrances too, and there are bad ones and uh, let me explain that to you uh, in, a, in a in a story. Sometimes delays in our walk with God. Sometimes the times that we 're going through challenging things and we think that god 's not there i 've done this before i've prayed i've fasted i 've whatever, and things don 't happen can be for our good yeah. and i'll 'll illustrate that with a with a story true story i uh i We lived in Tucson many years ago, and we had uh designed i designed our backyard and I had all these plants I put in there and one plant in particular that I got was a bottle tree. You guys are familiar with a bottle tree. It's a very pretty tree. It has these beautiful red flowers in the summer. Well, I planted it, and and uh, I put it right in this gravel area, right next to the lawn. And uh, I think it was a male one. I call him. I, I, I refer to him as he throughout this story, so I, don't be offended, ladies. I think it was a male tree. And I I saw him grow, and he began to grow. And so, like, several months later, he was pretty big, and um, I, I love that tree. I totally, I love that tree. Well, then we get this storm. Like, a huge torrential rain came through Tucson, and it was so bad you couldn't even, it was like a hurricane, man. Well, the next day I walk out, and lo and behold, the tree is completely uprooted. Yeah, I know. I think he died. I think he was dead. And, uh, but I walked over to the edge of the tree and here's what I discovered. I looked in there and you know what I found? The tree had, had become completely root bound. It was never forced to go deep because I'd put it in a place where the water was readily available. It was easy for the tree to get the water. Here's my point. Plants are made just like us. If we have to go deep, the roots have to go through dry soil to find water. Oftentimes, you'll see the plant's leaves will be wilted. It's stressed, but it's necessary for the plant to do that to find water. If all it has to do is just sit there and take what's readily available, it's easy. It doesn't go deep, and man, the storms of life come. And it wiped that tree out. And and the Lord spoke to me when I saw that. That can happen to you, son. And some, because I was going through a hard season. It just seemed like the skies were bronze. Nothing, God, where are you? Those kind of times. And I know that I know he spoke to me. Man, I'm I'm allowing your roots to go deep. What are you going to do? You going to seek me and trust me? These are the times when you find, what do I really believe, man, about God, you know? And I always wonder what happened at the tips of those roots, you know? Were they like little baby roots just kind of, I need some water. I just need some water. You know, I don't know, but I know this. Those roots, <laughs> those roots have to find water and, it's, and the plant will be stressed during that time. Otherwise, it goes shallow. Shallow and it doesn't work, man. The storms of life come and it'll blow it right over. And I saw that, it was as clear as day. Well, all that to say, uh, my second point here I wanna share is, I believe in my story, my life, I have been my greatest hindrance. So there's all these things, so I'm gonna show you what I mean, are all these things coming at us, right? And, uh, but I truly believe that in the end, We are responsible for our own heart, right? It says that in Proverbs. Watch over your heart with all diligence because from it flow the issues of life. So if we're holding resentment, unforgiveness, if we're control freaks and trying to control things because we're afraid it's not gonna go our way, whatever it might be, my submission is we can become our worst enemy if we don't deal with that biblically. It's up to you, not someone else no one else is going to come and change your heart. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? God will speak truth, but it's your and my decision to choose what to do, to correct ourselves. See, um, and it's so important. And man, I, I think I had that wrong for, for a lot of years. So two of my greatest hindrances then after all these things that I, as I thought about this Number one, I would say my flesh. And one of the gentlemen spoke to, you, to it, uh, uh, doing things on my own. So if you can pull up that slide, please, on the flesh. I'm going to read you a definition. And uh, I don't know if you can read it, but this is a good definition. When I'm referring to the flesh in the Bible, the scripture, I'm not talking about your physical flesh. This is what I'm referring to. The flesh, the self-life, is a condition a mindset, an attitude, strategy of living, where my focus is primarily on myself, even if it's good-looking self. You could even put in good-smelling self. You could do whatever you want in there. Well-adjusted self, socially acceptable self, where I'm living out of my own resources, such as heritage, education, IQ, personality, sense of humor, looks, talents, abilities, etc., in order to cope and deal with life, solve my problems, Meet my needs and become a success. I would simply summarize that by saying, in my life, getting my needs met with or without God's help, and it can look really, really good doing that, right? It can look really good. It doesn't have to be some horrendously dark, fleshy thing. We, when we think of the flesh, we end up thinking of the perverted stuff, the murder. The, it doesn't have to be that dark. It's simply a matter of what am I doing. And man, that, that has been uh, a hindrance. Um, getting my needs met. You know, it says in Galatians 6, 8, when we sow to the flesh, we will reap what the scripture says, corruption, which simply means decay. That's what that word means. And decay, if you transliterate it a little bit more, it's going to be death. It's not going to be life to you. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And I used to be perplexed about this. You've probably heard this many times, this scripture. But I'm like, what the heck does it mean if I sow to the Spirit, from the Spirit reap eternal life? And I had a friend of mine help me to understand it. He came and he taught at a ministry that I was involved with for years called Exchange Life Ministries. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, ELM. And he came and he was teaching, and he said that scripture. And I said, I don't understand what it means to sow to the Spirit, man, and then reap eternal life. It just sounds so hyper-spiritual or something. You know, what is that? He said, let me, let me illustrate it with a story, and it's a true story. One day, he came home from work, and he walks in the front door, and he can hear his wife just crying in the kitchen, just having a hard day. So his first thought, which would not have been an evil, bad thought, was, man, I don't want to deal, with this Let her cool down, I'm going to go have a beer and watch the rest of the game. And, and relax and then address it later. Nothing wrong with that. But he'd been thinking about the scripture. He'd been thinking about being led by the spirit, if I sow to the spirit. So all he did was simply say, God, I don't know what my wife needs right now. I have no idea. And uh, will you show me? And then he just felt this thought, heard this thought and felt it in his heart. Just go and, and give her a hug and say, sweetie, I, I just feel like you weren't very appreciated today. I'm so sorry, I love you. That's all he f- felt. Well, he did that in that split second. See, it's that moment those, those things come, right? It's, it's not like we got to sit there for three days and pray about it. It's right there. Because the Spirit of God, if we're born again, is in us. And that life is his life, and it's eternal life. It's an eternal thing. Well, he listened, went, hugged his wife, said, Sweet, I'm so sorry. I... Looks like you just were not appreciated at all, and I'm so sorry, I love you. She starts weeping. Here's the backstory: This lady was a teacher, and all day long, her kids were brats. Any teachers in here that have had bratty kids? Whoo, man, hard. I can't even imagine. I taught one year for just a day a week, a botany class, and man, it, was, <laughs> it sucked the life out of me. I loved it, but dude, it was hard. Well, she said, all the kids were brats, No one appreciated me, no one said thank you. And then she had some kind of issue with her principal, her boss, who basically tore apart a project she had been working on and she'd been pouring her whole life into the thing for three weeks. And he just found all the things wrong, not one thing right. So she felt unappreciated. Here's my point. He sowed to the spirit, how? He just simply asked the Lord. What do I do? I have no idea how to love my wife. I don't know how to what to say. I, my, I want to go over here. He sowed to the Spirit, and then when he did that, he reaped eternal life because God's life came out of him to his wife That's good. and touched her it right where she was at. That kind of demystifies that scripture for me. Does that make sense? Yep. That's how simple it is. He who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And you see that life... When, we, when we're led by that way, and I know we're getting better and better the more we, we put our minds on this, it just reaps life instead of death. So all that to say, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we can oftentimes choose the, the flesh, and I, I've, that's been a hindrance for me. The second big one for me is, is fear of man, being afraid of man, um, And I'll put it in context so you understand what I'm talking about. Because Proverbs 29 says this. The fear of man lays a snare or sets a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. So let me explain to you out of my life why this has been such a hindrance Uh, for many years. And some of you know this, some of you may not. About 20 years of my life from the age of 19, what's 20? Added to that, 39, thank you. 39, 40, somewhere in there. I was in Tucson, Arizona, and we uh, were campus pastors and ministers uh, working with college students, and we were involved with a a ministry that was very, uh, very intense and boots to the ground. Some of you know all this. But in that time, I became very much fearful of the man that was in charge to the point where, and this is where it changed for me, man, I made him an idol, we think of idols as some Buddha guy that we're just gonna worship or something. That's not what we're talking about. Anything that can take the place in our hearts now of God and our attention and our love, anything that does that, you and I will reap sorrow and pain from it. It's just the way it is because God's law is that way. And it says, that you don't, I don't have that scripture for you to see, but in Psalm 16, verse four, it says this the sorrows of those who run after another god shall be multiplied <laughs> so let me put it in context the fear of man led me to idolize him want his approval and that led to many sorrows and pain and it hindered my walk with god and man it took years later to see how damaging that was when the lord showed me son because of your fear you didn't want it. you didn't hear what what I wanted to say to you, which was wonderful and great and awesome. Many times this person would speak condemning things to me and shameful things. Anybody else have that happen to you? All of us have. Shameful, mean things because he was a hurting person. You ever hear that? Hurt people, hurt people. It's very true. You probably have had people hurt you with what they say. And Man, part of that I was reaping because I wasn't fearing God in it and I didn't have enough courage to say, you know, I think that's wrong, what you're saying. I don't receive that, That's it's not from God. Not in a rebellious way, do you see what I'm saying? But because I was secure, but I wasn't, I would idolized him. Led to a lot of pain, um, which led to in turn, for me, false concepts of God. That God was angry, God wasn't really as loving as the Bible says. He was out to get me, you know, somehow. And I love Pastor John Leach says this, if he was out to get you, he would have already got you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Man, that was good. But that's a false concept of God, isn't it? It truly is. That's not the God of the scripture. God of the scripture says he made you wonderfully, beautifully with gifts and uniqueness. And when we receive the life of Jesus, it changes everything and he wants to live his life that eternal life through you but here's the beautiful part as you no one else can live that life and he wants us to rely on him and man the fear of man was a hindrance because it put all that it just jacked that all up in my life and got a got a big mess on my hands well that leads me to my third point and i want to illustrate this by telling you a little bit about two realms now the, this uh, i'm going to show you read a scripture, and I'll show you a diagram here in a moment. This I'm borrowing from a man named Dan Stone. Uh, he wrote a famous book, well, pretty famous, if you maybe you've heard of it, called The Rest of the Gospel, uh, one of the most powerful books on identity and who we are in Christ that I've ever read. It's been the most impactful book in my life uh, over the last two decades. It's been amazing. And um, in there, he begins to describe this two realms, but if you could pull up the slide of the, uh, please, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 18, through 18. So we do not lose heart, this is Paul speaking, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Now, he's referring here to the two realms. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, another word is temporal, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And I started to think, man, how do you look at things that are not seen? (laughs) Do you you know? What does that mean to you when you hear that? Look to the things that are unseen. That's what Paul's saying. The things, while we look not to the things that are seen, but to the unseen, what the heck does that mean? What's that? Uh, Within yourself? Looking at, the looking at promises? Good. I'm going to give you a little twist on and I think that's all part of it, but it's, this might, this might sh- expand it a little bit. If you could pull up the, the diagram, please, of the eternal. And I don't know if you can see this. I'm, I apologize. I put this in the wrong format, I think. And if you want a copy of this, I can get it to you. But here's what he's talking about. And this is what Dan Stone does in his book. He he calls it the line. Now, above the line is the eternal. That is the realm of the unseen. Below the line is temporal. That's the seen. And here's the incredible part. In the seen realm, as believers, as somebody who's received Christ, you and I are becoming what we already are in the eternal. Does that make sense? This is super important to understand for us because for me, what I'm trying to illustrate is for year, I, looked, I was looking at the scene so much that I forgot the unseen. In the unseen realm, that's the newness of life that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 6. The first part, he talks about how you've been placed in Christ. You've been identified with his resurrection. You died with him. You've been raised. And then the rest of Romans 6 essentially talks about the newness of life and how to think about that. For example, consider yourselves dead to sin but alive to God. That's an eternal point. That's looking at the eternal. In the eternal is ultimate reality, that's changeless, timeless, it's the spirit, it's complete. The temporal is changing, it's appearances, it's where you are in your day-to-day walk sometimes, the failures, the the hard stuff, but we have to remember we are becoming what we already are, that is looking to the unseen. And it's a profound thing. And, and it's, it's been in there for all these centuries. And it's, it took me 25 years of my walk with Jesus to finally see that. <laughs> and it's so life-changing because I was in such a mess. But God is good, isn't he? And he speaks to us through Paul and others to say, that is not who you are. Look to the unseen. That's what I say about you. That's what you are. And I get it, man. It's hard on planet Earth to do all this stuff. We fail. We make mistakes. We hold grudges. But I submit to you, if we learn to look to the unseen, so much of that, it works out for the better, and you see it differently. This is a discipline, though. It did make sense to me for many years. Um... We are becoming more like Jesus. We are becoming what we already are in the eternal realm. Isn't that powerful? This is powerful, man. It's so good. Thank you, Dan Stone, for sharing that through his book. And I highly recommend it. The rest of the gospel by Dan Stone. If you haven't picked that up, um, I'm sure you can get it on Amway. (laughs) Oh, wait, not Amway. (laughs) Anybody anybody ever buy anything from Amway? I did too. Awesome products. Really good shampoo. Seriously, really good. Like one drop of that, one little, it just lathered up everything, man. It was amazing. Love Amway. So I'm not speaking bad about Amway. I love Amway. Um, (laughs) Okay. Paul continues to remind us through the New Testament to remember who we are. And one of my favorite scriptures in this is in Ephesians 4, verses 22 through 24. He's essentially saying, the context of that is, don't be like the Gentiles who try to think things through in their own mind, and they go back to their own selves. But he said, says this, we didn't learn Jesus this way. We learned the truth in Jesus to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. The old self is the wrong one to look at. That makes sense? The old self is the one that was crucified with Christ, spiritually on the cross. When Romans says you were baptized with Christ, it's not talking about water baptism. That word baptizo, by the way, is simply translated into the English baptize, being baptized. It just simply means placed into So if I were to reread that scripture, you've been placed into Christ's death. You've been placed into his burial. You've been placed into his resurrection spiritually. So you are new. And he's reminding us when those thoughts come of that's who I am, put it off. And here's the thing, only you can do that. Only I can put it off. God won't do it for us. He won't because how could he? You and I have to take it and go, that's not who I am. This is is who I am. And so he goes on. It belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the lightness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That new self is the eternal realm. I thought I was pointing to the diagram, but it's gone. It's just gone, <laughs> vanished into hyper uh, space somewhere. But... Does this make sense? To look to that. That doesn't excuse our sins and stuff. I get that. But it, God says, "Stop looking at the stupid stuff, the sins you're doing. I already took care of it. You're forgiven, past, present, future. Look to the newness. And I promise you the more, at least when I do, I don't have time to sit around looking at the sin anymore, because I'm so in love with Jesus and what he, He's done in me, and He wants His life to come through me as me. That's exciting instead of beating myself down for all these years. Golly. And see, that's when someone who continues to shame and speak those things, man, it crushes you, man. But God's good and he sets us free. We are to put off the old. Ask God to renew our mind, put on the new. Wow. Okay. Okay. So that brings me to kind of my conclusion, and and this ties into Dan's message last week because all these things are hindrances, and I thought, man, what's hindered my life? And when Dan was teaching last week, he said an amazing thing about the difference between being transparent and vulnerable. Do you remember that, if if you guys remember that? And it was so powerful because I had never thought of this, and he said, man, transparent people open up their lives, but they won't let people speak into their life. And he gave a very pointed description of you know, uh, people that have different issues going on in their life and they'll open that up, but they won't receive truth. And I know I've been there. And then he said, uh, but a vulnerable person opens up and then receives it because we're humble, right? And then here's what I thought when he shared that. This has happened to me and I'm sure it's happened to many of you. When I've been vulnerable, Uh, and I've opened up, and then when someone corrected it wrong. So I want to just speak just briefly about what I believe God wants us to do in in the correction, because I don't want to major on the correction here, but I'm saying somebody probably has spoken something not very good in, in your life, and what I'm calling it is speaking the truth in love. That's a biblical term, to speak the truth in love. We need that from each other right, we need encouragement, but we also need, if if we are off somewhere, and that's what correction means, a change that rectifies an error or an accuracy, so say I'm up here and and I'm teaching something that's not right, and I didn't know it, you should have the freedom to come and say, Rob, with a spirit of gentleness and nice, hey man, I just got to tell you, I think what you were sharing wasn't true. Now, I could say, you're, you're wrong, you're full of uh, baloney. Or I could humble myself and go, man, thank you. <laughs> you're right. That's correction, right? Do, do, but, but we don't like that. We don't like to hear some of these things, and especially if we've been damaged in it. But Jesus, make it, we got to realize this. He wants us as a family to speak truth and lo- love to every uh, around us. Not, it's not a everyday, and this is not sin-sniffing, by the way. We're not walking around sin sniffing. Nate, I saw that. I got to tell you, I sniffed that one out. You know That's not what we're talking about, right? We're talking about speaking the truth in love. So as, as I was thinking of Dan's message, it reminded me of the correction that was done to me in a wrong way, and I just wanted to speak to that to you uh, briefly because going back to what I shared earlier in Proverbs 4, we are responsible for our hearts and how we react to some of those things. And in my case, I got bitter and I got angry and I didn't forgive and it festered and it damaged and hindered my walk with God and with others. It wasn't good. It wasn't healthy. Um, We're responsible to take the good and the bad and hear it and judge it correctly, and then listen to what the Lord wants us to do about that. Maybe there is forgiveness involved. Maybe there is a going to somebody. Usually it's just between you and the Lord to get it right in your heart so that you don't carry that baggage anymore. Um, You know, Because when we came here, I just want to say this, and this is another thing. When we came here almost 12 years ago, this is an, an example of speaking the truth in love for our... Lies. we were really a mess and we had a lot of baggage i was broken i I didn't want to want to ever go to church again i didn't care about church um of all that shame and stuff and the mixture of unforgiveness in me i didn't know how to process it man i was literally uh, uh unfunctional and uh but we came here god led us here And sometimes, in God's grace, he brings friends like a DJ and a Cammy and a Darren and a Janet to just not say a word, but love me. Just, just put his arm on my... So many times they would do that. DJ, we'd take communion, man, and I'd be... He, I just was a mess. And he wouldn't say a word like, brother, you know... uh <laughs> You're being a little hysterical. Why don't we go off to the side? No, he would just, and he would cry with me and Amy. <laughs> Sometimes the best thing is to not say a word, but love your friend and just be there for them. And when they're broken and not try to fix them, that's another one I said, I don't like people trying to fix me. You don't fix people. Just be there for them. That changed our lives. It changed our lives. They were so sweet, so kind, and just encouraged us, you're gonna make it. You're gonna make it. Because it, it left to my own stuff, I would be, I wouldn't be here. I know that. So thank you. Man, I'm a cry baby, ain't I? I just cry all the time. Ah, Sorry. So I wanna conclude by saying here are some things to think about when we're speaking the truth in love. It should be word based. God's word is powerful. God's word is what is used to correct us. If you can pull up 2 Timothy 3, this is a good reminder. It's God's word. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And the second part of that is so that the man or woman of God may be made complete, mature in your walk. The word of God is what can be spoken and the correcting part is up to us. Does that make sense? It's not going around beating people over the head with the Bible. It's got to be word-based sometimes. Uh, Matthew 18 is another one I thought of. It's when you have a sin, if your brother's offended, you go to him privately. Talk to him. Do it in love. It needs to be done in love. That's the... The other part uh, of speaking the truth in love, obviously. 1 John four eighteen, mature or perfect love casts out fear. So when we go to somebody in love, not mad at them, not judging, whatever, in love, it casts out fear because fear involves punishment and we're not trying to punish anybody. Um, it should be done in gentleness. It says in Galatians 6, 1 through 2, that you, if someone gets off course, man, restore them in gentleness. Now see, some of those things, that was not done for me in many cases. That's why it was so damaging. Does that make sense? And I'm sure that might have happened to some of you. So we need to remember that God wants us to ultimately point people to Jesus and just be there for them and speak the truth in love. So I just wanted to briefly say that. And as I close here, I just, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about hindrances today. We're, we're concluding this. Um, we talked about uh, just... Not doing it in our own flesh, not doing it in our own strength. We've talked about the two realms, and now we're talking about speaking the truth in love. And I believe that's one of the ways that will cause us to live unhindered, man. This is to just learn to speak truth in love. So, can I pray for us? Lord, thank you so much for your Holy Spirit that causes your word to come alive. And I just pray that, Lord, uh, you would do that even right now. Whoever is here, maybe uh That they have some damage, lord, maybe maybe they 're hindered in in their walk with you, I pray that you would Lord, if they could just if we just quiet ourselves just for a second and let the Lord show you that, and all we got to do is say lord what are you what are you showing me? What do I need to see? what truth do I need to see? What do you want to speak to me in that damaged area, that area that 's hindering me, and then simply do it, Lord, give us the grace to do that, give us the grace to. To just love each other and walk unhindered with you. And I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for letting me share with you.